Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Welcome to uh, this uh, second Torah study uh, for this week. Uh, we did one on Monday for the Parshas Matot, because we have the Parshas this week. Um, and today we're going to be continuing on with Parshas Masek. Now, let it, well, before we get into it, let us go ahead and go into prayer. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech ha'olam, Mashiach Yedishanu mitzvotav v'yetzanu al davri ha'torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, Master of the Universe, who has sanctified us in the words of your Torah, Father. We ask, Father, that you be with each and every single one of us here throughout this Shabbos, and I hope that uh, each and every single one of us uh, gain greater da'at and greater chokmah through that of um, our, whether it be our study at that of our uh at that of our shul or whether it be um study that a person goes and does on their own and i ask father that uh, you help in each and every single one of us to uh really bring in your presence father and invite your presence into our lives and into our homes uh this shabbos and we ask these things we pray these things in yeshua's holy name Amen. all right well today we're going to be getting into parshish masay okay uh, as I noted earlier, we had gone over through Parshas Matot uh, earlier in the week. We did that on Monday. And I said that we may do Masay. Kind of looked like we wouldn't because of the fact that, you know, I had to deal with like a lot of different uh, issues with my uh, diabetes in terms of um, low blood sugars all throughout the week and all that stuff. And it really just kind of drained me. So we ended up not doing the Didache teaching for this week. And we also didn't do our Garden of Peace teaching for this week either. And so it really didn't look like I'd be doing Masay. But um, however, in terms of this week's Parshas, there's a lot of people that tend to skip over Parshas Masay because basically what we have going on over here is basically it, this just kind of goes and tells the journey in many ways of where it is that the uh, Jewish people have come from, where they were going to, and where it is that uh, they ended up uh, residing, which is within that of the land of Israel. And so we are going through the journeys, essentially, the 40 years of where it is, all the different points of where it is that the Jewish people went to and to their final destination, being that of the land of Israel, before that of the diaspora and so on and so forth. And so the thing is that, you know, many people see this Parshas as being rather boring, not really much to analyze here. But I tend to take a different route because from this Parshas is where it is that we get this term, the wandering Jew. And oftentimes, within that of our good friends in Christendom, they see the term wandering Jew as a negative. They see it as though that basically the uh, Jews are just kind of searching for something that they can't find, you know, and they think that within Christendom that uh, Christendom is the answer. Uh, now, we do believe, as Lapid Jews, that first of all, that uh, Yeshua is the goal of the Torah, as is Shalom. You know, this is uh, something that is talked about greatly within that of Torah Shebiyapeg. That it is that Shalom and Mashiach are the goals 
of the Torah. Whether that be Torah Shebektav, the written Torah, or Torah Shebektav. But also at the same time, we have to ask ourselves, why is it that the Jew wanders? Why is it? You know, because in many ways, when this talking point comes about, we're a talking point society nowadays. It's interesting, you know, I'm working on my third college degree. And upon working on, on my third college degree, the thing that I found to be very interesting is that it's a lot different now than when I was in school, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and so on. Much different. Used to be to where it is that you would actually have to think and you have to analyze things. And now I go into a classroom and we have to regurgitate, essentially, is what the teacher wants. I remember one particular instance, as a matter of fact, not to get too off topic. I was taking a uh, course within that of sociology a couple of semesters ago. It was one of the requirements to be um, part of the special education program because of that's what I'm majoring is, is within special education. I want to become a teacher for special needs individuals. And so we had to take sociology. And one of the things that I like to do I like to read it a little bit in the book before it is that uh, we go and we get started, you know, and all that stuff, because I had no clue what sociology was at this, at this venture here. And so I ended up going and looking at the book. And the teacher goes and says, you know, I'm a student of sociology. I believe wholeheartedly in sociology. Sociology is my entire life. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, then by all definition, you're a, you're a racist. <laughs> And her jaw dropped to the floor. And she said, would you like to explain? I said, yes, because of the fact that you go and you say that, first of all, that you are a wholehearted believer in sociology. Let's go and look at your methodology here. I've been looking at this book so far, this textbook here. And within this textbook, I end up seeing that basically a person's skin color, their uh, race, their creed, their you know sexual orientation, all these things. Basically, you, uh, sociology is the idea of putting them into a box saying this is what you are, this is what you're going to become. There's no idea of, you know, and I didn't mention this, but, you know, within the Torah we read about Nishma Chaim, the divine spark, the, per, the thing that makes a person an, an individual talk to us, told to us by that of Chazel, you know, that make us different, that we're not a part of, you know, this little box, you know, that we're supposed to be carbon copies of one another. So basically, upon conclusion, I said, ma'am, then, you know, basically saying that you are a student of sociology. Um, basically, what you're saying is that we have to go and adapt stereotypes, saying that if you're this, that, or the other, then, you know, basically, this is what it is that you're going to become. This is what you're going to amount to. Now, if you look throughout this classroom, we see many people with different uh, skin colors, many different uh, variations of sexual orientation and all the, and all these things and different creeds. The thing is that considering that we're all here in the same classroom, we could tell that your methodology doesn't work. And so the thing about it, though, is that she wasn't prepared for that question. And so the thing about it, though, is the reason why I bring this up is because of the fact that when we hear the talking point, the wandering Jew, we then go and say, what exactly does that mean? And so, again, our good friends in Christendom take that as a negative. And it's not actually a negative. Yes, it took us 40 years from, to get from Egypt to the land of Israel. Absolutely. But the thing about it, though, is that we look throughout all the things that had happened. 
and all the things positive and negative that ended up happening. We ended up getting mana from heaven and nice little little uh, nugget of information here. You, you know what the word mana actually means in Hebrew? It means, what is this? <laughs> That's actually what it goes and translates to. What is this? Um, and we also had, you know, the golden calf. We had the, we had the marriage contract with that of Hashem through that of the Torah being given that to, to us at Sinai. Then we uh, also have the whole thing with the spies. We had the people rising up against Moshe Rabbeinu and, and against that of Aharon. And we see all of these things that basically ended up becoming a part of the Torah. Four books within that, and technically two books, okay? You know, because, well, three books rather. Three, technically three books, because when we get into Davarim here this next week, and Parshish Davarim, the thing is that Devarim, Deuteronomy, is a Mishnah. It's a, it's a repetition of things that we've already talked about. And that's why it is that you see the children of Israel, you know, making their way to Israel at the end of this Parshish. And then we see it also at the end of the book of Deuteronomy. And the, and the Torah is not necessarily in chronological order, but we're given a Mishnah within that of the book of Deuteronomy. You know, basically this condensed form of all the things that it is that we've been through. So technically, we go through the Torah twice each and every single year. If you go on a three-year cycle, then you go through it four times, you know, or, or you go through it twice, you know, uh, every three years, technically. And so the thing about it, though, is that we go and we look through this, and we see the good things that have happened, we see the bad things that have happened, you know, and the thing that, and the thing that is a part of this whole thing, as, you know, it just goes and starts out. In chapter 33 of the book of, uh, of Bamidbar, or Numbers, it says the following are the journeys of the children of Israel, by which they, they left the land of Egypt and their regiments and the, and the hand of Moshe Rabbeinu and Aharon. And so the thing is that we look throughout our own lives. This faith that it is that you're in, whether it be that you are within that of Lapid Judaism like myself, or whether it is that you're a Messianic, a Hebrew roots person, a Christian, an Orthodox Jew, it doesn't matter. You go through the progression of your faith, and you start to see how things build, how things um, are not necessarily the way that it was that they were three years ago for you. How things progress throughout that of your walk. We could point to many places within that of our walk and throughout that of our lives where it is that, you know, we have come upon hardship or we've come upon great joy. And we see through this, we see Hashem at work within that of hindsight. You know, it's very interesting. Many people ask the question, why is it that we go through tough things? You know, and then we are thinking about the words of Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul. And he goes and gives this laundry list of things that it is that he's been through. And he says, Baruch Hashem. He says, I praise God for these things. Why? Because in the book of Mishlei, book of Proverbs, it goes and it says within there that we experience the hard times in our life because it's like God going and mollifying a child to bring us greater chokmah, to bring us greater wisdom. And we gain wisdom through that of our experiences, through the things in which it is that we're successful in and that we do good in, the things in which it is 
that we fail at the same time. And so, in many ways, we can only look at our faith, and you notice how all the time, whenever it is I'm teaching, I, I not only have the book with me that it is that I'm primarily teaching from, you know, this, of course, we're doing the Torah, you know, here today, but also at the same time, you notice that, you know, I'm over there pulling from from the from the Talmud, I'm pulling from Zohar, I'm pulling from Midrashim, and many other different commentaries. And why is this? Because we're wandering Jews. <laughs> Meaning that in many ways, what it is that we're doing is we're progressing forward in our faith. We're seeing things from every different angle. That's why the entire story is mentioned twice through that of the, of the, uh, um, the book of Shemot, through that of the book of Amitbar, and then again in the book of Davarim. This entire thing is repeated to us. And yet, I go and I look at how it is that I do these teachings on the Torah portion each and every single year. And I say to myself, you know, it's very interesting that it is that I haven't taught on the same thing each and every single year. That Hashem, each and every single year, gives you something different to go and talk about. And if I go and I look at my own life, and you as well, you go and you look at your own life, how it is that you have progressed in that of your faith. You can see how it is that, first of all, that you are in many ways wandering. And it's not that you're necessarily looking for something or that you are without something. But instead, you start to see the scripture more three-dimensionally. And less so much of this linear thing. That we basically, you know, say, well, you know, this, this means this and this only and that's it. You know, I teach over at the Hebrew and Aramaic Learning Institute. I'm one of the Hebrew instructors over there. And one of the things I tell people all the time is when they're getting ready to learn Hebrew, for the sake of reading the Bible, the Old Testament within that of Hebrew, and then they learn from our other instructor, Aramaic, so they can read the New Testament and all that stuff, as well as the Targumim. Um, the thing I always end up telling them is the thing that you'll start to find as you're learning Hebrew and as you're learning Aramaic, the thing that you will find to be true is that the Bible is much more three-dimensional than you ever thought possible. This is why it is that in I've been in this walk for 13, almost 14 years, and every single year, God has shown me a different dimension, a different thing whenever it is I'm going through these Torah portion teachings. I've gone through the Torah at least 10 times on the radio, at least 10 times. And every single year, Hashem has something different to show, which really kind of goes to show that, you know, that, 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 that whole thing. And I can give you a little bit of my story here, because I don't think I've really, in all honesty, in the 13 years, really given the full story of how it is I, you know, got to where it is I am now. I remember in um, 2004, I started to read the Bible all the way through. And I um, was, was, was doing this with, um, it was a student Bible, it was an NLT student Bible. And I started to have some questions. And 
I was because I was sitting there reading. I was like, wait a minute, it says that this is forever, you know, and all these things. So I was going to this Methodist church, and I asked the pastor there, uh, Pastor Brown. I ended up asking him. I said, I said, now, you know, in terms of this passage and all this, you know, I, I'm having a hard time here because it says that this is forever. Where does it say, you know, that these things change, you know, because I want to be able to source these things if I'm ever asked about them. He started to feel a little bit threatened, and at the time I was also going through seminary as well and presented the same questions there. I was told at both places, essentially, maybe this is not the place for you. And then I was having lunch with a friend of mine who was a part of a, um, a huge Christian band in this area. As a matter of fact, the lead singer of this Christian band ended up going and uh, being on America's Got Talent and almost ended up winning. As a matter of fact, their lead singer was name name was Benton Blunt, and Benton used to come into my old coffee shop all the time. And so I was having lunch with this friend of mine who played in Benton's band that was called Seven Miles, and I ended up going and saying, you know, this whole I'm going through this whole thing, and I'm looking, and this whole law thing, I'm I'm actually thinking, you know, from reading the Bible that we're supposed to keep it. I don't see anywhere in there where it says, you know, to go against it. And so what ended up happening is my friend ended up going and saying, oh, you're one of those. I said, one of who? He goes, you're one of those uh, uh, Hebrew roots or messianic guys. I was like, what the heck is that? And so, you know, the thing about it was at this time, you know, not everybody had the Internet. You know, I had, you know, the little palm phone, you know, and all that stuff, a little flip phone and all that stuff, you know. And, you know, if I would go to a coffee shop or something like that, I'd be able to get on the Internet. But it's not like it is now where we have, you know, we, 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 we take the Internet with us everywhere. And I'm actually going to be doing a teaching on that here soon as well because people have got too addicted to the Internet. But anyway, not to get off subject. So basically, I, I ended up going into work at, the co at, at my coffee shop that I had opened that day. And I was looking up this thing that he was asking me about. You're, you're one of these guys. And I was like, what, who, who the, what, the, what, the, what the heck is this you're talking about? I go, and I go, okay, well, I agree with some of this. I agree with a lot of this, actually. And so I started out. And what happened was I, brought, I, was, on, I was doing political talk radio at the time. And what I was doing at that time is I was on this radio station there was an internet station called Chimpsy Radio. And I started to do this segment of my show saying, you know, the way that it is that we perceive the Bible previously, you know, and all that stuff may not necessarily be so correct, you know, in terms of things like the Torah and the law and all that stuff. And so essentially what happened was there was another guy that was kind of like the bad boy of the station. His name was Shane Strange. And now he calls himself something else, and I would tell you guys I'm not going to mention what he calls himself now because of the fact that – let me put it to you this way. He may have come into this walk about 10 years ago, but the thing about it though is that he's still at the same point he was the same month he went in. Very angry, very – you know. and so him and I went into ministry together. And so we ended up going into – you remember those old Ning websites? We set up one of those and all that stuff, and uh, him and I worked together on, on that. And essentially what happened was we had ended up bringing in a bunch of people uh, that were going to be involved in a in new internet radio station. And so we ended up going and starting this new internet radio station. And with quite a few of the people that it is that we knew, one of which was a former pastor that was pulled from the pulpit because I think his anger got the best of him. 
in many ways and did not necessarily act, you know, all that uh, gracious upon his newfound faith, you know, and all that stuff. And so he was up there, you know, telling people they need to be keeping the tar and all this stuff. And he was pulled off, you know, and all that stuff. And yet, you know, the church, you know, was very nice to him and his wife and children and let them stay in the parsonage for like two years after that, that whole thing, after being fired from the past, from being the pastor over there. Uh, so they showed amazing grace to him. They really did. But ultimately what ended up happening is the guy that formerly known as Shane Strange ended up um, really uh, uh, upsetting a lot of people, attacking a lot of people. You know, whenever it was that there was a, um, I think there was like a tsunami somewhere or something like that. He said that all these people deserve to die because of their paganism and all this stuff. I mean, the guy, the guy, the guy's just a, you know, and, and we said, whoa, we, we just kind of took a step back and said, that's too far. And so we ended up going and leaving that ministry, you know, and this word is that I started from. We ended up leaving there, and then we, and I'm not going to mention any names, you know, that's, but we ended up going and uh, becoming a part of a ministry, all of us left, and we started to be a part of a ministry that um, was a lot the same, but some things were, were, were different, and this ended up happening because we said we were closing down the radio station, and he said, well, can I, you know, have that station and have you guys manage it? And so we said, sure. And so what happened was we ended up going over there. This guy had put out his own Bible and all this stuff ended up getting sued because of the fact that come to find out he stole it from the Way International. But at the same time, there was some good that came out of this because during this time, it is, you know, we were having this conversation and where it is that um, we have, were total in rejection of that of the Tower. We then started to see, you know, through some of the leadership that was involved over there, how the oral Torah is, you know, um, talked about within that of the Bible in many places and endorsed in that of the Bible. And so that was very helpful. But then ultimately what ended up happening is we started to get a little bit ticked off over these constant red alerts, red alerts that he would send out every single week of just something crazy that seemed would have to happen. And he'd have to raise, you know, somewhere around $2,000 within the next day and all that stuff. And the thing about those, we ended up leaving over there um, on good terms until the radio station, when we totally handed it over to him, what ended up happening is that it was linked to my PayPal account. And he decides to go and fund the radio station for the entire year through my PayPal account as opposed. To, and so it, it, that, was, that, that, that was a big mess. And so then we, st then we got in, in ministry with some others. And upon that, the individual who was the former pastor ended up becoming an anti-missionary. My co-host, my original co-host, J.J. Rocks, decided he was gay and he was going to become an anti-missionary. And so, you know, they, people just started following, falling by the wayside. And so, basically, we ended up getting into this other ministry and I got asked if I wanted to come on to GLC, if I wanted to be a host on God's Learning Channel. And at first I said no. And you guys have heard me speak about my uh, late fiance who had passed away from cancer. One of the things that I would do for her, you know, during this particular period in time, 
is I would go and, um, you know, whenever she'd be in, in, in chemo over in Charlotte and I wasn't able to come to go down there at the time because of, you know, just something, you know, maybe work or something like that. I would end up getting home and I would make a video, put it up on YouTube with a, to where it was private to where only she could see it where I'm giving her encouragement and all that other stuff. And she really liked it. And she goes, as soon as she heard that I said no to GLC, she goes, I think you should do it. And I said, why? She said, because of the fact that I love the videos that you make for me. Now, keep in mind, this is before I ended up getting dentures. <laughs> okay. So that was one of the things that really, <coughs> um, I was really worried about was my, the way that I looked physically, you know, if you would talk to me, I would usually end up being talk, talking like this or something like that. And, uh, you know, that, that was really tough on me. And so basically I ended up going back to GLC and I said, I said, I said, okay, I'll do it. And then they said, they said, well, you know, you had, you know, we, we, we you had already said no, so we're just going to do something else. So we decided to go and start filming the uh, teachings and all that stuff anyway. She enjoyed them, so, you know, we're, we decided to do that. Well, late, many years later, we started Nishama Hokma Television on the Roku and still maintain that today, as a matter of fact. And so, you know, basically, what, what, what ultimately ended up happening there is I was on the traveling circuit. I was seeing a bunch of things going on backstage and all that stuff that was not kosher. I saw a lot of things of people going and using this faith as something to profit on. And uh, I would say that about 80% of the, the majority of big-name teachers out there, this is what it is that they do. They don't have any other skills. They don't want to work a job, and they don't really believe in what it is that they're, that they're teaching, and they live a totally contradictory lifestyle out there on the road. You won't believe how many times I've been asked, so do you actually keep kosher? And then they look back at their menu after I say, well, of course I do. You know, and so – you know, the, the, the horror stories I could tell you were just, you know, and so w what happened was I was in this meeting when they were going to start a new TV, TV station. They wanted me to come aboard for that. And so I'm sitting there in this meeting about six or seven of many of the teachers that it is that you guys know of that got fired from GLC. I'm over there with them and they're wanting to start up this new thing. And so basically, ultimately what happened was I, was going through my conversion and my ordination at the time. And I had just come back to Yeshua. I had, I forgot to, I, I left that part out. I ended up denying Yeshua for a period of time because I found issues with that previous ministry's Bible that was taken, you know, from supposedly, you know, ancient Hebrew and all that stuff from, you know, the Deuteronomy, the monster. I found, found out that all those things were frauds, you know, and they were much later texts. And so I came back to Yeshua because of two things. First of all, and second was the Aramaic. And so I had this Bible with me, and I had the fourth edition, at the, or the third edition at this time. And this over here is the second edition. I got, went and got the second edition instead because I wanted the Estrangela Aramaic as opposed to the Ashuri. And so I ended up having this with me, and they said, oh, by the way, you can't use that. I said, why not? And they said, basically, we have your first six episodes already scripted for you. And there are certain texts you can use, certain texts you can't. And I said, so basically, I'm just a mouthpiece, and I, you know, I'm not able to have 
you know, my own thoughts or, you know, teach from my own perspective or understanding or any of these things. They and one of them goes and stands up, puts his hands on the table, leans in and says, Christopher, if you want to advance in this faith, then you need to learn how to play the game. I ended up pulling a Ronald Reagan. I took my notebook, closed it, and I said, this meeting's over because my faith is not a game to me. And so I ended up going and just, you know, basically uh, the website lapidjudaism.com started to become what it is today at this point. And, you know, basically I said I wasn't, wasn't going to have ties with anybody else. I'm not going to have ties with anybody else. Then I ended up getting pulled into helping a girl I was dating at the time into this online yeshiva put together by this particular rabbi that was very rabbinic, just like myself. And, um, well, basically, he turned out to be a scumbag as well. <laughs> and so, you know, basically, you know, you see how it is that my journey has brought me to where it is that I am now. Is this journey over? No, I'm constantly wandering, constantly going through changes, constantly evolving. That's the reason for bringing this all up. And this, essentially, is why it is that the Jew is essentially always wandering. Why it is that we have walls and walls of books, you know, having to source, you know, you know, the Maharal, you know, Schneerson, uh, uh, um, uh, as well as um, uh, Rabbi Nachman, and, you know, so on down the line. It's because of the fact that it is that we find that the more that it is that we learn, the less we actually know. That's the reality in many, in many ways. If you guys have any questions, make sure to go ahead and get them in now so that um, uh, you guys don't get cut off on your, on your questions. So, you know, the thing about those, when I read Parshas Masay, I constantly look at this from this vantage point, that there's a reason why it is that God ended up going and taking 40 years, going all this way and that way, to get the people, to get the to get the Jewish people into the land of Israel, because they had to be prepared. And in many ways, we should all hope to be so lucky to be wandering. Because if a person is a wandering Jew or a wandering Gentile or a you know wandering what it whatever then that means that it is that essentially that our journey is not over. We're constantly progressing. We're constantly moving forward. So this term, wandering Jew, is nowhere at all being in the negative. Let me see if it is that we have any questions here as I get a sip of my coffee. or statements. Let's see here. Uh, we have Sandra that says blessings. Blessings to you as well, Sandra. Martha says amen. Alrighty. Uh, doesn't appear that we have any questions. So, ladies and gentlemen, we'll go ahead and end it. And I'm going to wish each and every single one of you good Shabbos. And uh, Shalom Rocha. Peace and a blessing. Shalom. So you want to learn Hebrew or Aramaic or maybe both? 
Make sure to check out HebrewAndAramaic.com. All three of the instructors on the website have accredited Moray licenses to teach the languages that they teach on the website. You can take the lessons on your very own time, and they even have a Roku channel so you can learn from the comfort of your very own couch. With over 200 videos going step-by-step -step through the languages and all the various scripts and over 100 PDFs of exercises and quizzes, this is the most thorough set of lessons that you'll find anywhere on the languages of the Tanakh and the Brit Hadashah. So visit HebrewAndAramaic.com today and sign up for only $15 a month.